Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. As I fly out to Argentina tomorrow, the uh, Tuesday and Wednesday meetings are church or, tr- or Christian workers meetings. So they're bringing in people to teach them how to do the Lord's work. And uh, then it's a men's meeting all day Thursday and Friday, and then preaching there in the church on Sunday. I'm sure there's something scheduled on Saturday, but I don't know what it is yet. <clears throat> and um, so you'd be in prayer for that meeting. And in thinking about that, I thought it was a good time to review this Ephesians chapter 4. This is what I'll begin with down there on Tuesday. And it's how to work for the Lord. How to work for the Lord. You know, we, we were challenged this morning about compassion. Well, compassion can lead you to do all kinds of things. But we have to funnel that work into the exact way that God wants us to do it. Amen? And that's for us here. So look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Look at verse 10. Or verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Lord, thank you so much for this passage of Scripture that tells us how to do your work. Lord, help us tonight to be reminded of some things, and and maybe there's some things that we are missing in our own life and the ministry that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that we'll be reminded of those things this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one thing that's a problem that we have right now, how many of you notice we got a new pulpit? Doesn't it look good? But these wings are supposed to be back here, like the old one was. So I don't have any place to put my hands when I pray. So I can't preach. You ready? Let's pray. Let's go home. I can't. No place to put my hands. All right, look at this. The first thing that I want you to see is our mission. Our mission. How many of you have this already written in your Bible? Anybody have these notes already? All right, this is our mission. This is what we're supposed to do. Look at verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. We've been called. We have a holy calling. Amen? We have a holy calling. Keep your place here. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. You know, we often talk about the issues with Calvinism and what we have in Christ. But look at what this says about our calling. 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse uh, 9. Speaking about God and Christ, the Bible says, "...who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." Isn't that wonderful? Before the world began, God gave us something in Christ. In Christ. Everybody that's in Christ 
have these specific blessings. And one of those things is a holy calling, a holy calling. So let's go back to Ephesians 4 with our mission. Our mission is to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Now here it says ye, but we're going to take this and personalize it. So this is for us. We've been called to a vocation. Now, it, it could be <clears throat> that you're an engineer or you're a fireman or you're a pharmacist or you're a laborer or you're a teacher or you're a student. According to Scripture, none of those things are your vocation. Your vocation is to live like a Christian, to walk worthy of your vocation, which is a child of God. That's who you are primarily. So when you go to work, you're going to work as a Christian and you're representing Christ as a Christian and you do your job as a Christian. That's your mission. Your mission in the world is not necessarily to win the world. Your mission is to live in the world as a believer and work in such a way as your, that work is your high calling because you're representing Jesus Christ in that place. It's walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That's your mission. Look at how you're supposed to do it in verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, this is how we're supposed to walk together. We're supposed to walk together in all lowliness. Do you know what that does? It keeps us from getting haughty. It keeps us that, that thinking, from thinking that we're better than the person next to us on the pew. You teenagers... You're not better than each other. Isn't that right? It's lowliness. It's lowliness of mind. It's esteeming the other better than yourself. Boy, when you do that, when you start exalting others in your minds, you parents, when you talk about other people from the church, if you speak about them in exalted ways, then your, your children respect those people more. It's amazing how that happens. It's so good. Somebody goes by and... And you can just say to your kids, that's a good man. That's a good family. It's that when we live that way with lowliness, it just changes everything. And then meekness. Meekness is not considering yourself. That's what meekness is. Uh, we often say this, that, that uh, self-centeredness, and the preacher spoke about it this morning, we come into the world selfish. And Dalton Robertson said, at any given moment his primary concern is his own personal comfort, right? And that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we all are, isn't it? Meekness is not considering yourself. So if a job needs to be done, you don't think about what it's going to cost you. You jump in and do it. If there comes a time to stand for the Lord, you don't think about what it's going to cost you. You just do it because it's the right thing. If someone needs help, you jump in and do it. If a friend at school needs help, you just help them. It doesn't matter if they're a part of the cool crowd or not. It doesn't matter. You don't think about yourself. You just, you just do it. That's, that's what lowliness, meekness, and then with long-suffering. That's, that's just you suffer long. You have to put up with people. Have you, have you ever felt like you had to put up with somebody? Have you ever felt that way? Do you know that they're probably thinking the same thing about you? Isn't that interesting? Is, that's that's long-suffering. You suffer long. And that's our mission. Our mission is to walk worthy of our vocation, but the way that we do it is with lowliness and meekness and long-suffering. Do you realize if we do that, there are no fights? Now, this would be a good thing to bring into our marriages, don't you think? If we would do this, there wouldn't be fights at home. And it, it is a blessing, but this is our mission in the world and in the church. Look at verse 3. 
here's our message, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, how many of you wish there was unity in Christianity? There's a song, Let the Walls Come Down, and, and there's all this stuff about we've got to lay aside our differences and serve the Lord. Well, that would be great if we all gathered together around what's said here. Right? We can have unity. It's the unity that's listed here. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. And what is that body? It's the body of Christ, the church. That's it. How do you get in the body of Christ? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. There's one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So that baptism, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that you can get into the body of Christ. There's only one way to be saved, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When that happens, and that's in chapter 2, we're in chapter 4, when that happens, then the Holy Spirit places you in Christ. There can't be unity outside of that. That's it. One Lord, and then one faith. What is our faith? Well, according to Jude 2, it's the faith once delivered to the saints. Where do we find that? In the Scriptures. According to Acts 2, it's very simple. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. If we agree with the Scriptures, we agree with the one Lord, and that's the one Lord that we looked at on Wednesday night and a little bit in Sunday school. The Lord, our Lord, the Lord our God, He is one Lord. That is the, the Hebrew Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, uh, Mark chapter 12, and verse 7. When you see it there, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. We can't make God who we want Him to be. We can only the worship, worship the God of the Bible as He is presented. If we want to have unity, we have to have unity around one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's it. That's it. And we can have unity when we remember what our message is. The core of our message is not the social gospel. The core of our message is that there is one God who loves you. He created you. He has a right to your life. You deserve hell. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. He rose from the dead the third day, proving that He was and is and always will be God. If you will repent of your sin and receive that, He will save you. Then you need to be grounded in the one Lord, the one faith, and the one baptism. That is your message that you're going to take out into the world in your one vocation. You have your mission and you have your message. And the only way we can have true biblical unity is around that one message. That's it. And we must be more and more and deeper and deeper grounded in it as we love the Lord and we get, a, we get in love with His work and what He's asked us to do. And it's so easy to be distracted by the world. We get so busy. But what we need to do is take our vocation into our busyness. You don't have to stop the other stuff you're doing. Do it as a Christian. Make sure that everyone there knows who you are and what you're supposed to be. And I'll tell you what, one of the great ways to do that is don't ever let it take place at the Lord's house. You know, you're involved in some kind of an organization and they say, we're having this meeting on Sunday night. Well, that's great. You all do that. Tell me what happens. I'm at church. Amen. You got into that position because of your good name and your good standing. That good name and good standing became, comes from the influence of God's Word, the Holy Spirit, and God's people. Moving away from that will not help your good name. It will harm your good name. It will harm your testimony. 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That is our message. But how in the world am I going to do this? How many of you feel a little, uh, I don't know, ill-equipped or insecure in what we just talked about? Any of you? How are we going to do it? With the measure that God gives us. We have our mission. We have our message. But it can only be done through the measure. Look at what it says in verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. God has gifted you. And we've looked at all of that. You know, the gift of administration, the gift of mercy, the gift of of helps, all of these, the prophecy, all of these different gifts that God has given us, you have that gift. But more than anything, He's given you a measure of grace. He's given you the ability to work for Him. Philippians 2.13, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God will put it in you. He will give you the ability. He'll give you the help. He gives you the grace to do His work if you walk worthy of the vocation and you have unity around the one message. And you do it through His strength and His help. But... Sometimes it's hard to figure that stuff out on your own, isn't it? That's why He gave us messengers. Look at verse 11. And He gave some apostles. Now, aren't you glad God gave us the apostles? You know what that does for me? It helps me know that when my faith is weak, the apostles had weak faith sometimes. You know, sometimes when I miss something from Scripture, the apostle Peter heard it from the mouth of God and messed it up. Right? God doesn't have any perfect servants. He just has us. So He gave us apostles, and those apostles gave us the Scriptures. He gave us prophets. Those prophets gave us the Scriptures. They came, and they lived, and they died for the faith. I was thinking about when uh, Brother Thornton this morning was talking about Isaiah not knowing what he was getting into. How many of you remember Brother Thornton talking about this morning? Do you all know the end of the story? Isaiah was sawn in half, top to bottom. A saw, cut in half. That's what happened to Isaiah. He didn't know what he was getting into. But do you realize how much truth we have from the book of Isaiah that we use today that helps us to understand our mission? He was a prophet. God gave that to the church, all of that information, the apostles and the prophets. And then, those are in the past, then evangelists. Brother Thornton was an evangelist this morning. You know the church that he pastors that we saw the pictures of? He, his son-in-law has been helping there. His, that church supports his son-in-law as a full-time pastor. Well, his son-in-law is leaving. Brother Thornton's looking to raise up another man who will be in that church. That church is completely self-sufficient. Brother Thornton will go and invest all of his time in the seminary, teaching and training, and then the individual church planters going from church to church, helping those people. Do you know what that is? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. That's an evangelist. That's what Brother Thornton is doing. And then some pastors and teachers. That's the same office. The pastor and teacher. So sometimes you look at the Scriptures and you you try and put it together yourself or how to work for the Lord. And sometimes you need some help. That's my job. I'm here to train you, to teach you, and to help you. Why am I going to Argentina? Because I'm a teacher. I'm going to teach those people how to do the work of the Lord. I'm going to teach them what a church is supposed to be and how it's supposed to function. That's what I do. I'll get home. I'll be home for a couple of weeks, and I'll go out to Washington State. And out there, how many of you have heard of the 
to the pastor, Mark Driscoll. Anyone heard of Mark Driscoll? Well, he is one, a part of this group called the New Calvinists, the New Calvinists. And he's kind of a merging of the blending of the emerging church and Calvinism. It's a, it's a strange combination. And this church that I'm going to preach in out there, they planted a church, and that church planter has started following Mark Driscoll, and now they're full-blown Calvinists. They're a full-blown Calvinistic church. They had to cut ties with their sending church, the church that invested all the money in them, paid to get this thing going, and they've gone in a completely different doctrinal direction. So I'll be speaking out there six times on Reformed theology, teaching the church. What is Reformed theology? What, what really happened at the Protestant Reformation? What do these people believe? What does the Bible say about election? What does the Bible say about predestination? How can we understand these things biblically? Now, some of you are far enough along in the Lord to where you can study through the Scriptures and, and, and discern those things for yourselves. Other folks need teachers. And so God has called me to be a teacher, to do the work and to help people to understand these things. And pastors call me in to help. Why do I do that? Why do these other preachers invest? Why is Brother Knox coming to preach to us? Why are they willing to leave the comfort of their own home and travel? And I know some of you travel for work. How many of you periodically travel for work? It's glamorous, isn't it? Isn't it great? <laughs> no, it's not. But we do it because it's a calling for what reason? For what reason? For maturity. To bring believers to a place of maturity. Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's building people up in the Word of God. It's building people up in the truth. It's trying to give them some zeal for the work of the Lord. A passion to do the work of the Lord and to do it well. I guarantee you, when people walk into this auditorium now, hey, look, it's not big, but it's nice. Amen. Amen? It's not glamorous, but it's nice. Our men put hard work into this to make it right and to have a good testimony. When they come in here and they hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word, there are things that are prepared. When they hear our music, it's done well, it's ready, the sound is right, and people care about things that are going on in this place. That's the way ministry has to be done. Why? Because it's for the Lord. And it's a lot of work to have that happen. So we, if someone comes in here on Wednesday night and they see all the organization and the labor and the the children in different rooms all over the building and climbing all over Laura's desk and all, all this stuff, when they see that, they know there's some, some zeal. There's some labor. Oh, I've got to tell you this. Everybody, wait. those of you that were asleep, wake up for just a minute. You can go back to sleep after this story. Um, the Thorntons, the Thorntons have been... The Thorntons have been in 300 different churches raising support. Think about that. That's what it takes to get to the field. They've been in more than 300 churches. Mrs. Thornton, Pam, told Steve today that she saw something here at Grace Baptist she's never seen before in the 300 churches. She walked by a group of men, three or four men, who were talking about the sermon that had just been preached. She walked by another group of men who were talking about what happened in Sunday school and teaching children to love the Lord. Usually they walk by and there's people talking about football or what are they going to eat. But here people were talking about the work of the Lord and what had happened here. Is that awesome? That wasn't the pastor talking about it. 
That's a group of godly people who love God, they love His Word, and they, they interact in that. Now, we do talk about ball, and we do, we do do those things. You know, we talk about how Shauna needs to get right with God with this Michigan stuff. And, <laughs> and, you, know, and you know, how Browns fans really have, you know, problems with security and things like that. But <laughs> we talk about those things, but every time I'm here with you, Every time I'm here with you and I'm walking by, I'm hearing people talk about the work of the Lord. Why is that? Because we have maturity here. Is that exciting? I don't know if you recognize how unique that is. A church with believers who are mature believers. I'm not talking about just gray hair. I'm talking about people who know God and care about His work. It's so important. And then when I hear the discernment that comes from you, I love hearing the discernment that comes from our, our young people when something comes up in school, whether it's in the public school or the Christian school, whatever it is, if it's an area of truth that's being attacked and our children discern that problem. How many of you parents have heard that happen? Your kids come home and say, hey, my teacher said this, my teacher said this, and they know the truth. Do you know what that is? Look at what it says in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That we're able to discern. We're not blown away by this false doctrine. When someone teaches something that's wrong, we know the difference. Where does that come from? It comes from having a mission. It comes from being focused on the message, doing it through the measure of grace, understanding the message and the messengers that God has placed before us, and we grow into a maturity through the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish things for God. That's how you do work for the Lord. That's the way it's supposed to be done. And I just say we keep doing it here at Grace Baptist. What do you think? I think we just keep doing it and we spread the word. And every chance I get to tell somebody, I'm going to tell them that God's work still works. And God's doing great things. We, had, today, we were down today. We had a bunch of people gone today and we had 201 people here. You know, this church is growing. And I want you to notice, if we went back to the, to the time that we put the chairs in, you have more people to sit, you'll sit more people. You know, and the attendance is just continues to go, grow up and go up. And hopefully in the next three years or so, we'll blow these walls out and even have a bigger room to fill up and have people ministered to. And, and uh, it, isn't that just awesome? It, it's just amazing to see what God is doing. That's what we want to take around the world. That's what I'm going to do in Argentina this week. That's what you all are going to do here while I'm gone. Amen. And maybe some of you young people are going to do this around the world someday. Maybe God's going to call you to do something special. Who knows what God has for you? I know God has something special for you. It might be right here in Sydney. You know, we're going to need some of you in Sydney. Mr. Ty is getting old, guys. I mean, you guys are going to have to take his place. <laughs> You're going to have to get a better sense of humor, though, to keep up with him. Now, we don't need that. Yes, you do, my son. I guarantee you, you do. Isn't God's work wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to have unity and peace around the truth of the Scriptures and the opportunity to influence other people's lives because of the grace that God has given us? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, are there, can we do better? Yeah, and boy, you all don't know what you're in for. We are already making plans and 
I know I've been saying it for a long time, but we're just a couple of weeks from uh, beginning some of it. And by next year, this is going to be a different church. Carol said, I like this one. (laughs) Carol's going to start going to the church of God. (laughs) Now look, we're going to keep moving ahead, amen? Amen. We're going to keep doing it. But we're going to, it doesn't matter what changes, we're going to do God's work God's way. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be special. And we're all going to be involved. I mean, look at the crowd. It's a, it's a beautiful day. We've got some folks missing. But look at this Sunday night crowd. Isn't this a blessing? Look at all these young people down here at the front. Some of them are even awake. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you all with me? Are we going to do God's work God's way? Amen. Amen. We have our, vo- we have our, our mission. It's our, it's our vocation. We have our message, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all who is all in all and in you all and for you all and whatever. <laughs> right? We have, we have our message. We know what it's supposed to be. We have the measure of grace that God has given us. We have that. We, we have the messengers. We already had the apostles and prophets. We have the evangelists that we're sending around the world. And then we have the pastors and teachers here continuing the work. And then there's the, the workers doing the work, growing in maturity. That's, that's God's plan. That's God's plan. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us all to find our place in this work.